welcome to Animation Celery. Crunchy conversations about classic cartoons. This is one of your hosts, Matsy, and his life would be simple except for the raccoons. Yep, and I'm Micah. If you're new to the show, we assign each other, Matsy and I, cartoons to watch. Then we reconvene to review and discuss them. Because it's fall and time for kids to go back to school, uh, we're looking at school-themed episodes. Today, we're going to examine the raccoons making the grade and dino saucers, teacher's pest. As always, though, we're going to settle into it with some freeform discussion. So what's on your mind, Matsy? What's on my mind at this exact second is how you could barely contain yourself from laughing just saying dinosaurs. Oh, yeah, dinosaurs. <laughs> we'll get to that. Yep. Um, I watched two things of note over the last little while. Um, mm -hmm. One, I caught up on the last two episodes of the recent season of Rick and Morty. Okay. Um, now, you remember a couple of weeks ago I was saying that I had watched all of season four and what had aired of season five. And I said, oh, I'm happy with the voice acting, but I'm disappointed that they're not uh, calling back to previous story beats that they are um, going more episodic. And I specifically pointed out that there was a story involving the Citadel of Rick's that mm. they left on kind of an interesting place and hadn't touched since then back in season three. I recall all of this. Well, the season five finale finally gave some closure to that. Mm -hmm. They finally brought it back. The problem is that apparently they're done with that now. Um, uh. Apparently, I've, I've seen from some outside sources that they've decided not to go as serial with Rick and Morty anymore and go more episodic monster of the week okay. because it's easier to sell into syndication if the episodes can be watched in a vacuum. Makes sense. It does make sense, but it's also sad because I liked, you know, I was watching season four and season five going, okay, but where's all this story that you've been setting up? And they basically just took for season for the, the finale, which is, mm terribly titled Rick Murray Jack. Oh, <laughs> um, okay. They just kind of laid all the cards on the table and just in one fell swoop is like, okay, all the story threads and secrets and things that we've been hinting at and setting up mm -hmm. here. It all is. Here's, I see. Here's everything that you could want to know about the story. There's nothing left to know. And all the episodes from this point on will have no stakes. You know, you might think based upon prior episodes that I really like continuity and mm -hmm. I do sometimes, but actually I think a lot of shows uh, kind of collapse under the weight of trying to string things together. Okay, sure. That they would, they would be better off. Like, especially, uh, especially shows that have sort of the spirit of like a serial adventure, mm -hmm. you know, they'd be better off. Some continuity, but little things, right? But just let them go somewhere new. and Because, you know, <laughs> things get stale, especially if a show continually uh, has to exist under the weight of their storyline. 
what I think, you um, so yeah. go ahead. Well, I think one example a little bit is Young Justice, where okay, yeah, that this to me the most disappointing part of every episode is when they tied it to the or the silliest thing is when the villains tied everything together. You know, <laughs> like ah, this this entirely disparate thing we did is uh, all part of our plan. <laughs> Pretty forced, but yeah, yeah. Anyway, this I I mean the other thing that I'm going to talk about is Adventure Time. And okay. that works really well because Adventure Time does its story the way you're describing. Yeah. Where it's like every episode is self-contained, but almost every one of them has one thing that is important to the overall story. Mm. I really like the storytelling in Adventure Time. Um, now, the other thing that I watched was the fourth and final question mark episode of Adventure Time Distant Lands. OK, um, I think I mentioned in a previous episode that I had seen some teasers for it and was under the impression that this was going to be a prequel involving little Peppermint Butler and young Abraca Daniel in wizard school. OK, it's not that it's actually a sequel. It takes place after Adventure Time. The character that I thought was little Peppermint Butler is a little peppermint butler. The thing I had forgotten is that, and this is a minor spoiler at the second to last episode of adventure time, peppermint butler was reverted into a child form. Hmm. The character that I thought was a young Abra Daniel is actually his niece, Kadebra. Hey. And this, you know, it, it, it's, it's a fun little story about, machinations going on at Wizards, which is the wizard school in Wizard City. Okay. Uh, I thought it was a little weird. Now, apparently the way I understand it is that they had three episodes of Distant Lands in mind, but then HBO said, can you do a fourth one too? Yeah. And okay. so this is kind of tacked on and it feels like it because the previous episodes, the first one, BMO was just a fun little story about BMO before he met Finn and Jake. Whatever. Mm -hmm. it, it wasn't important. The second one, Obsidian, was really important because it filled in everything that you could possibly want to know about Princess Bubblegum and Marceline's relationship. Yes. The third one, Together Again, I think it was called, was really important because it was the definitive final end of the Finn and Jake story. Okay. And so it's weird that now the fourth and final one and what was originally going to be the last piece of Adventure Time that we ever see is this self-contained extended universe thing involving basically characters that have never appeared before mm. dealing with a completely self-contained story. Okay. The one thing about it is that it, there's a little post credit sequence that kind of it leaves the door open that maybe things could continue. But at the same time, Adventure Time has done that from from the time that it ended. It mm -hmm. it ended with the idea of, you know, they just kept living their lives. And there are throughout the series of Adventure Time, there are scenes that flash forward into the distant future of the land of Ooh. Mm. Where you can see, and, and I think there's like a character designer or storyboard artist or somebody who has like developed this whole story of what happened in the future of Ooh, where it was like kind of 
the dominant species became the descendants of Jake and Lady Rainicorn. And then there was some kind of magical oppression. But this is all like this isn't actually in any Adventure Time episodes. It's just some stories that this guy made up and posted on Twitter or whatever and said, this is what happened. I see. I guess if they get more and more money, they can make that episode. Yeah. Well, they've there's actually another Adventure Time spinoff coming. Mm -hmm. Uh, HBO Max. I think it's HBO Max has ordered a series revolving around Fiona and Cake. Who are the gender swapped versions of Finn and Jake that the Ice King writes fan fiction of. Right. So I don't know, maybe maybe there's going to be more distant lands, um, but, you know, it's adventure time and I'll always take more adventure time and it's good right. and it's worth watching. I just thought it was weird that it's like you have these bombshells of obsidian and together again. And then also this little. Well, maybe it cleanses the palate like. Like a peppermint. Yes. <laughs> it's not uh, subtraction by addition, right? No, no, it's it's fine. Yeah. Um, it, I just thought it was weird. It was like, oh, the, the the last two were like so important. And then this is just kind of there. I I liked Kadebra a lot. Well, it's a funny she, name. <laughs> yeah, she's she's great because she has powerful. The, Abrick Daniel is a pathetic wizard. Like he can barely make a flower grow. Mm-hmm. Kadebra apparently has all kinds of magical powers, but she doesn't care. She's more fascinated by stage magic. Ha. The idea of like not actually doing magic, but creating the illusion of magic. And so she wants to go to magic school to learn that. Hmm. Which is a really interesting idea in a world where there's actual magic. Like, she just likes the idea of creating the illusion of magic. It invites the crossover with the great and powerful Trixie in uh, <laughs> My Little Pony. <laughs> yeah. You're so great. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Anyway, hmm. that's the stuff that I did. What did you do? Well, let's go from the land of Ooh to a product of Goo. We should oh. talk about our, yeah, our sponsor, Gebel's Goo. I almost forgot. Right. So, you know... There are so many goos on the market that it's hard for a beginner to know where to start. It's hard to and choose that, goos. Right, right. But <laughs> that's this is where reference. <laughs> this is where Gebel's goo comes in. Uh, first off, they'll deliver it across time and space from Primus in the future, right to your door. Uh-huh. And after you've tried out your goo, if you're unsatisfied for any reason. You get a full money-back guarantee. You don't even have to return your first shipment. You keep the goo. Well, I mean, you couldn't return it, really. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It's unsanitary. <laughs> so, well, yeah. so, remember, uh, there's only one name in goo, and that's Gebel. <laughs> Enough of the shilling. Um, so, I thought I'd cover first uh, stalker requests. Oh, yeah. Some of these are a little old even, but like, okay. So from another venue, (laughs) our little, our little phrase there, uh, from another venue, one person had expressed interest in some Rocky and Bullwinkle. Okay. Yeah. I'm yeah. Have we we done anything from them? You've mentioned the new Rocky and Bullwinkle in in chat, but that's it. We haven't looked at any Rocky and Bullwinkle. No. Or, or it's extended universe of like. Dudley do right huh well 
that carries forward. And this one you can take with a, a grain of salt. It's my coworker, yeah. who I'm pretty sure has not listened to any episodes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he wants us to look at the world of Commander McBrag. I'm not a hundred percent. I remember sure I remember what that is. Is that that's it, a Rocky it, and Bullwinkle thing? Yeah, it starts with a spinning globe, and then there's this old codger and a guy that's at his like gentleman's club who listens to his tall tales. Hmm. You know, but how did you ever escape? And then the Rocky and Bullwinkle formula. He's got a pun about how he succeeded. Oh anyway, yeah, okay, yeah. Um, hmm. And back to that other that other venue. Um, somebody had requested. Rock and Rule, and the Care Bears movie. Well, the one who requested Rock and Rule was me in this show. Like I said a long time ago, we are going to watch that someday. Yeah, and I, I had that ready to tell her that, yeah, we're, <laughs> that's okay. apparently on the docket. Yeah. Rock and Rule, at least. Someday. Anyway. Just got to wait for the right time to bust it out. But the Care Bears yeah. movie. Maybe, yeah. Hmm. Care Bears movie. Yeah. The it all the Canadiana. Is that the one with no heart? Uh, no. That first Care Bears movie has an evil book. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, like, I, I can't remember if she's the spirit of the book, if she has a proper name. I don't think she does. Anyway. Oh, I'm pretty sure um, I saw a Care Bears movie in the theaters, but I don't know which one. Hmm. Anyway, those, I thought I would acknowledge that people have, in fact, asked for things, and, you know, that's we better cool. keep that in mind in the future. I think Some of the things we can... I'm I'm not opposed to watch the Care Bears movie. I've already yeah. said that I want to watch Rock and Rule, and I'm kind of amazed that we haven't done Rocky and Bullwinkle yet because I was trying, was, I was thinking yeah. like of you know when our assignments for next week. I was thinking what haven't we done yet, and I couldn't think of anything. And now I'm thinking, man, how have we not done Rocky and Bullwinkle? We really should. <laughs> how have we done three Woody Woodpeckers? <laughs> <laughs> Four, if you count that hunger yeah. strife. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, otherwise, um, so we talked about the tick last week yep. and his adventures at the Comet Club, the uh, nightclub for superheroes. Yeah. And I mentioned that one is almost entirely taken from the comics. Right. So, I looked at the old tick comics. Oh, the yeah. Tick com- they're a mess. <laughs> like, I'd, me- I'd mentioned that the last tick comics took like a year and a year and a half to come out. Right. Because at that time, Ben Dillon was already Mr. Big Shot writing for Hollywood and stuff, right? <laughs> so I'd forgotten. I didn't look at the other Tick comics. I just looked at the classic ones I already knew. But I'd forgotten that they started a Tick comic before the other Tick comic was pronounced dead. <laughs> it was weird. I did look at the the pre, the uh, preface of it when they say that, you know, <laughs> we... We've come to accept that Ben probably isn't going to make issue 13. And he did. It just took him a year and a half. <laughs> but um, yeah, there have been so. And weird enough, the original Tick series, it goes 1 to 13. And then it goes 100, 101. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, I guess he, he at least wrote maybe. I, I didn't look at it too closely, but it's a crossover of Tick and Invincible. Okay. At any rate, so I looked at the classic ones. I looked at the stuff around uh, the comic club. And... One of the funny evolutions of it is that because uh, the Tick wins his name from Barry, mm-hmm. uh, superhero bylaws grant the Tick and Arthur all of Barry's superhero stuff, <laughs> <laughs> including his Tick cave. So Barry's like a crazy Bruce Wayne. He lives in a big mansion 
And in the follow-up story, he's gone mad and he spends all his time naked. So, <laughs> like, he's drawn a line down the mansion to the places that, uh, the only places that the Tick and Arthur are allowed to go, you <laughs> know, to, like, access the Tick Cave. Right, right. And, uh, yeah, and they're, like, they have supper together at, like, a grand table. <laughs> and, again, you know, Barry's just at the other end naked and rambling like a lunatic. <laughs> um, and uh, the Tick and Arthur are, like... Uh, kids in the candy store they're just like playing with all the gadgets in the tick cave all the explosives <laughs> and guns and <laughs> like the tick comes up it's like uh barry uh i think we ruined your computer some sawdust got in it <laughs> and, uh, is his last name is barry's last name hubris it is i don't remember if it is in the comic it is uh listed that way in the in the animation yeah, I was thinking that because I like I saw on Wikipedia him referred to as Barry Hubris, and then I watched the episode and they never said his last name. Yeah, so I was like, you Maybe know, this is a comic thing. One of the dark things, the the dog mascot from the Sidekick Club, mm -hmm. he's there at the mansion, and I think Arthur says like, uh, "Oh, can he speak?" And <laughs> Barry says, "Yeah, well, he used to before my I can't remember the villain, but before he lobotomized him." Oh, <laughs> Yeah, and the dog's got like a cross-eyed uh, expression with drool. And um, in anyway, the in the second yeah. live-action Tick series, I, I mentioned that there was a superhero team in the city that had all been killed by the terror. Yeah, um, the one survivor was the dog, the talking yeah. dog, and it's pretty cool. He's uh, he was the dog sidekick of Christian Soldier, and <laughs> and his name is Onward. Huh, cool. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Anyway, go on. Um, yeah, actually, speaking of the terror, that kind of, that's where the thing ends, basically, the, the tick, is mm. that uh, Barry vindictively calls the terror in order to set the tick up. The terror, and, we should probably mention, is a hundred-year-old supervillain. Yes. Yeah. Didn't he punch out, like, uh, one of the U.S. presidents? Maybe like Eisenhower or somebody. I don't, I don't remember. I, I'd have to go back and watch the episode. Right. Um, yes. So like, I know that he became a big shot and everything. I think he should have finished the comic. He should have like written a hasty finish or whatever. <laughs> I mean, they still own the property. They still make more tick comics, but I, I don't know if I'm that eager to consume more of them, but um, mm. that actually made me think also though, about like the philosophy of reboots uh -huh. and like the war of nostalgia versus wonder, because there's so many reboots and I, I don't generally hold on to them that hard. Like, uh, what's the one, uh, Digimon mm -hmm. is leaning hard into nostalgia. Okay. So they rebooted Digimon adventure, the first series. And I think these things have a problem that, for one, uh, I like a series in its entirety. I like a series with a good ending. But the, for me, the best time of getting involved in a series is early into my involvement in it because my imagination runs wild and I wonder everything like, oh, what is this? What is that? You know, yeah. maybe this happens. And in a reboot, no matter what they do with it, there's kind of limits to that feeling. Hmm. But at the same time, it's not what you remember, so it doesn't bring back that feeling you had when you watched it the first time, you know? Yeah. It's kind of no man's land. 
So yeah. that's an interesting point. I'm just thinking, I'm trying to think of reboots that I've watched. And the only one that I can really think of is My Little Pony, Friendship well, is Magic. Well, Oh, Shira, I, you know what? Of, yes, there yeah. is. A, <laughs> boy, there's. It can work, but yeah, there's an episode of Shira. Now that you mention it, um, it's I, I can't remember the name of the episode, but it's something along the lines of Dungeons and Dragons. Mm-hmm. And it's the it, it's kind of a sketch thing of the various characters all like coming up with their own ideas for how they can you know, infiltrate the horde in some way. And so it's like mm. vignettes of each one depictions of each one's imagination. Mm-hmm. And Bose is just the original She-Ra animated series. That's hilarious. <laughs> I think, I think she has got some flexibility because even though people love She-Ra, I don't think there's that much that's sacrosanct about it. Right? No, not really. Like, I mean, it was always the original She-Ra was really just a second place he-man you know it was like i we, mean we have these yeah. other toys that we need to sell and we need a way to put in the horde so here we go and i'm sure i watched all of it but i don't remember it that well she-ra mm. i i remember watching the reboot princesses of power and the mm. princesses of power like i remember they're in early in the first episode shadow weaver shows up and i went oh right shadow weaver and then a few episodes in scorpia shows up Mm-hmm. And I kind of went, oh, right. There was a Scorpio, wasn't there? <laughs> you remember You remember her original voice? <laughs> I do she not. She was kind of a dullard, yeah. She's she's kind of a dullard in the new She-Ra, but yeah. she also, she is kind of the emotional anchor of the show. Right. Like she's, she's like the, she's almost the audience stand-in. And she kind of becomes the best character. Right. Like by the end, I was, I was just like, she was what I cared about. I was like, I, you know, this Catra Adora thing. No, I want to know what Scorpia is doing. Probably because it's already a little played out, right? Mm. (laughs) Catra, she, like, anyway. Well, it wasn't Um, when it was still ongoing. Right. Right. But that's a case where I think, you know, they say you should only remake bad things. (laughs) I don't think Shira's bad, but I think it has freedom to be remade. And something like Digimon is, you know, I, for all its original, the original one's faults is really good. So to remake it just makes everything feel perfunctory. Yeah. Same thing with, same thing with Sailor Moon. You don't appreciate Sailor Moon until you watch Sailor Moon Crystal, hey. where it's, yeah, it's just giving you the same flavor, but with less, well, it gives you less of a warm feeling because it's not nostalgia and it's not, it's not really anything. Anyway, I guess you're right. Like just starting, starting with a more or less blank slate, like a My Little Pony, like nothing yes. of consequent happened in the original My Little Pony. Well, so, certainly not in like the one where they're all preschoolers and riding on the merry-go-round and stuff. Yeah, the third yeah. generation would be the most recent one, right? I, I guess that's true. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. So the idea of like, okay, let's do something meaningful with the, this property. And they did like, you know, there was one episode where. It was the finale of one of the seasons, I think the fifth season, where like mm-hmm. the villain was the villain from the My Little Pony movie. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, the Dragon Ball Z episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Now that you mention it. I was I was crossed up. I was thinking you were still talking about She-Ra and earlier I mentioned a crossover with My Little Pony and Adventure <laughs> Time. Should be everywhere. Should be like uh, uh, 
like Slay the Spire and, and Meat Boy and all those things in other video games. Oh, yeah, yeah. My Little Pony and everything. Oh, Shovel Knight. Um, Put Shovel Knight in My Little Pony. <laughs> oh, that, that reminds me, too. Uh, did you know that Nickelodeon has its own Smash game? Uh, yes. I, I'm aware of that because um, one of the YouTube... You know how YouTube will have these little, like, latest from the YouTube community, and it has, like, little, like, community... Yeah. Not videos, but posts? Yes. There was this one... Um, YouTube account. I don't follow them or anything, but I guess I had watched enough clips that they thought I'd be interested. And they mm. just kept going on and on about, oh, who wants to see Jenny in this ah, Nickelodeon the Smash burn. thing? Yeah. She's not in it. <laughs> yeah. 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 None of the Frederator stuff is in there. So mm. that's going to be disappointing for, I guess, a lot of 2000s kids. <laughs> um, maybe eventually they'll work something out if it makes money. I've seen some gameplay of it. Mm -hmm. The cheapest thing, like it looks like it's probably fun to play, but the sad thing is there's no voices. And I think it would have been okay even if they got sound alikes or even not so sound alikes. What kind of characters are in it? Uh, well, some of them I don't know very well because they're new Nickelodeon things, but there's a lot of old stuff. So uh, there's Ren and Stimpy, but so far they haven't shown them. So it's unknown if there are two characters or mm. a gestalt character. Right, right. There's Powdered Toast Man. Okay. Um, uh, from classic animated TMNT, there's Leonardo, Michelangelo, and April O'Neil. All right. Funny enough, uh, there's a, a TMNT beat-em-up called Shredder's Revenge. Yes. That debuted that they have a playable April just about the same time they showed <laughs> they had playable April for this. <laughs> I think it's called Nickelodeon All-Stars. Okay. Um, they have cat dog. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, they have Patrick and SpongeBob and Sandy. Okay. I think Nigel Th Thornberry's in it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> the ugly yeah. era. Any Rugrats? Uh, yes. Uh, I think the dinosaur stuffed toy is in it. Any ah uh, real monsters? I'm uncertain. Okay. Oh, there's uh, Kang and Aura, or, or Kang, Ang and Aura, Kang, Ang and Cora okay. are in it. Okay, okay. I turned into Zummy Gummy. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't de they haven't shown them, but they did show a box full of uh, the 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 game's cover mm -hmm. with silhouette characters. Oh yeah, and it's just like this can't be anybody but Cora, and this can't be anybody but Ang. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I'm missing stuff, but I, I I meant to talk about that anyway. I guess I got one more thing of, of importance, just a small thing. Yep. Uh, I've started The Owl House again. I need to do that. I yeah, haven't well, seen any of season two yet. The first time around, I'd only watched two episodes and then, you know, just it kind of uh, fell fallow. But we, we, we came back to it. I'm watching it. I like it quite a bit. Mm -hmm. uh, the designs are great in it. Mm -hmm. uh, I especially like Luz. And I like her, uh, uh, her upper lip, especially. <laughs> that weirds me out. Does it? I think it's cute. It kind of is. I just think it's like, I, I can't, I can't help but think that this was some napkin drawing that it just like went with. Hmm. But whatever. I, per I personally like it as a signature. I like her hair. I like, I like Amity as well. Mm -hmm. I think mustard is a weird choice of color for that crest in her hair. Oh, a yeah. little star color. 
Yeah, I, I, I like Pretty Love. I, I guess the only one I don't like is, is it's King the Demon, right? Yeah. Yeah, him I don't really like that much, but, you know, mm. I'll learn to love him. You're you're going through pretty much the same thing I did, where I watched a little bit and went, okay, and then I fell off it for a while, and then I came back and went, actually, this is really good, and I need to keep watching it. Yeah. I, and I really need to start watching season two before the spoilers start ruining hey. things. It, it appeals to me enough that I can get over like, hey, this is just Little Witch Academia. They're ripping off stuff from this. <laughs> Her broom. It's like, I thought brooms in Little Witch Academia. <laughs> the relationships and characters. But I guess that's okay. I don't know. I never watched Disney's Atlantis because it bothered me how badly it ripped off uh, another thing, Secret of Blue Water. But hmm. but I, I guess I've mellowed in my age. <laughs> uh, anyway. Anyway. Let's go back to the past. How about that? All right. Talking of age. Yeah. yeah. Let's go back to the 80s in mm-hmm. Canada and apparently mm-hmm. America as well. Although apparently, I guess. So, OK, this is the raccoons. The deal with the raccoons is it's just this show that was made by this guy named Kevin Gillis. And it was made with the help of uh, the CBC, which is Canada's national broadcasting service. Um, so basically what that means is. It was on on pretty much Sunday nights for the most part, Mm. and it was on one of the only channels that every television in Canada was guaranteed to have. Mm -hmm. So if you grew up in Canada in the 80s, you know what the raccoons is. It was also on in the United States, but because it wasn't on a channel that was forced into everyone's home, (laughs) maybe it kind of slip through the cracks a little bit. Uh, it's a cartoon about raccoons and other animals. It was originally four specials that aired from 1980 to 1984, and then it became a full-fledged series that lasted five seasons from 1985 to 1992. The idea of it is that it, it started out as like the secret lives of animals in the evergreen forest, hmm. and there was people like ranger and you know the park ranger and his kids or whatever but eventually they kind of phased out the human aspect and just made it like an anthropomorphic animal world so by right. the time by the time we get to the tv series the humans aren't a factor it's just retconned into no this is animal world the main characters are bert raccoon who is uh he's kind of young at heart he's an adult adult but he's young at heart and he's like you know you're cool adventure guy who's always wants to have fun and do neat things, but is also bumbling and, you know, kind of falls on his face all the time. He lives with his friends, <laughs> uh, Ralph and Melissa, who are a married couple of raccoons. And it was this episode watching it over this last week that made me realize that they're the same age as Bert. I, oh, I you thought he was a kid. <laughs> I always thought they were a little bit older. I didn't think Bert was a kid. Because there yeah. is a kid, Bentley. Right. But right. I always thought that Ralph and Melissa were just a little bit older than him. But apparently yeah. they went to school together. So, okay. Uh, Bert's best friend is a pink aardvark thing called Cedric Sneer, who's kind of a nerd. And he is the son. <laughs> kind of. Well, yeah, he's, he's like an 80s nerd. You know, he's got the gigantic glasses. He's got a bow tie. He talks like this. <laughs> yes. 
He is the son of the millionaire industrialist Cedric. Uh, no, it's not Cedric. He is Cedric. Cyril yeah. Sneer, who's probably one of the premier. Well, you might think of him as one of the premier villains of the Canadian 80s, but kind of. He's not really a villain, though. He's really just yeah. he's kind of greedy in a Scrooge McDuck way. Yeah. And like not not. Once they reach season three, he's not really a villain. He's not really evil. He's just inconvenient. Yeah. And he actually gets along to some extent with the other characters mm. as it goes along. Like in this episode, for example. Mm. Um, there are some other minor characters, but they're not in this episode. So who cares? The one minor character that we do need to mention is Bentley, who is Ralph's nephew. And he's a little raccoon who's probably about 12, I would guess, since he's going into grade seven. Yeah. Um, and he lives out of town, but he frequently comes to visit. And Cyril Sneer also has a trio of pigs who I believe have names, but in the credits, they're just pig one, pig two and pig three. Yeah, I know he only calls them pigs. Yeah, I think in this episode, one of them trying to get another one's attention calls him Floyd or Lloyd. But huh. whatever, they, they kind of operate as a trio. They're, they're basically his assistants. They kind of do whatever work Cyril wants them to. And, you know, like I said, there's other characters, but who cares? Like, like Cedric has a <laughs> girlfriend. I think her name's like yeah. Trudy or something like that. Um, anyway, so they live in the Evergreen Forest, and that's where... We pick up with this episode, Making the Grade. Each episode starts with a cold open showing clips that give you an idea of what the episode's going to be like. I'll skip that because I'm just going to tell you what the episode's like anyway. So Bentley is in town and he is about to start a new school year. And this has Bert and Cedric feeling nostalgic, although Bentley is kind of uneasy about it. Uh, the two adults take Bentley to their old school, Evergreen Elementary, and they talk about how much they love their school years, and they talk about how much they love the teacher, Ms. Primrose. And that school and that teacher have taught everyone in the forest, including Ralph and Melissa, and even Cyril Sneer, which means that Ms. Primrose is old. <laughs> yes. <laughs> She's like a goose, I think. They show up at the one-room schoolhouse just as some guy is leaving, and they head inside. Bentley is not impressed with the size and the simplicity of the place, and that gets him off on the wrong foot with Miss Primrose. And that's when the teacher shocks Bert and Cedric with the bombshell news that the school is being closed down. Meanwhile, Cyril is in tax trouble. A representative from the Revenue Department is coming to verify inventory that he owes taxes on, and so Cyril sends his pig lackeys to the warehouse to count everything. Back at, this this episode jumps around a lot, so hmm. it'll all come together in the end, but I'm going to go like meanwhile or back here or whatever a lot here. Sure. So meanwhile, back at the school, Bentley is still kind of sore with what he perceives as Miss Primrose's strict nature. But Bert and Cedric, having known her for a long time, see her softer side as she explains that the man they saw leaving a mole they saw leaving actually was an inspector from the school board named Mr. Rutledge, and he's decided that the school is too run down and outdated and small. And Ms. Primrose is being transferred to a new school in the city with lots of students and modern accoutrements, which does seem to worry her some, and it also worries, worries Bentley when he overhears it because he realizes that she's going to be his teacher. So 
Bert and Cedric start planning to help her in some way. They, she comes to lunch at Ralph and Melissa's house, where Bert gets the idea to fix up the school and get it into working shape so it won't be shut down. And Cedric starts planning a bake sale for this and plans to talk to his dad about some fundraising. And Bentley is assigned to help Miss Primrose find things in the school storage that they can raffle off. Meanwhile, back at the Sneer warehouse, Mr. Rutledge is lost and asks the pigs for directions. And that's when Cyril shows up and hears this inspector thanking them for the information. And Cyril jumps to the conclusion that they've been spilling his beans to the tax inspector and mm. fires them, which I think is illegal. I don't think you can <laughs> I don't think you can fire someone for cooperating with a government investigation. Well, that's why he's a villain. Yeah, okay, yeah. And not only is that why he's a villain, his his escape is pretty villainous too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh back at the school, Bentley finds a computer in the storage that the school board apparently sent some years ago, but Miss Primrose could never figure out how to use it. And she laments that maybe the school never would have been shut down if she'd been able to keep up to date, which seems to give Bentley an idea. Meanwhile, back at Sneer's mansion, Cedric tries talking to Cyril about raising money for the school, but as soon as he says the word money, Cyril cuts him off without even listening to what the money is for. As Cedric leaves, Cyril spots the school board inspector again, who, he, remember, he thinks he's the tax inspector, hmm. driving up to his house. So he sneaks out and hitches a ride on the back of Cedric's car. Meanwhile, back at the school, Ms. Primrose shows Bentley photos of Bert, Cedric, Ralph, and Melissa, and a musical montage shows how they showed up so nervous on their first day of school, but gradually warmed up as they got to know the place and the students and their teacher. And Bentley starts to understand that his own nervousness about a new school isn't unique, while Ms. Primrose is overwhelmed with fond memories and doesn't want to leave. Cedric now shows up with cakes for the bake sale and finds that his dad hitched a ride. He's finally able to tell Cyril the news that the school is in danger of being shut down, which appalls even the hardened businessman. He reunites with Miss Primrose, the teacher he loved just as much as any of her other students, and she's full of affection for him as well. And then Bentley shows that he set up the computer that he found to make a computer room and teaches Ms. Primrose some basics of how to use it, which are pretty, um, uh, complicated. <laughs> like, yeah, you had to, like hold down one button and push another just to make a clock show up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, remember, this is like a, well, this is like the fourth season. So I guess this is like 1990 ish. Yeah. Uh, and I always feel the show is a little behind the times anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's like a. This is the kind of computer that I had in, like, grade... Well, probably around 1990, actually. Hmm. Playing Where's Carmen San Diego in orange light mm -hmm. on a black background. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, he also tells Ms. Primrose, finally, that she's set to be his teacher at his new school, and she thinks it would be pretty great for both of them to be able to start at a new school together. Meanwhile, the unemployed pigs are wandering and hungry, and get a ride with Mr. Rutledge, who is still lost. They try to direct him out of the forest, but they end up back at the school, where the starving pigs are attracted to the scent of Cedric's cakes. 
Cyril spots the pigs helping the tax inspector yet again and goes into hiding. Rutledge is impressed with how much the school means to everyone, but insists that it's just too small and it can't survive without a major expansion, not just a coat of paint and a single computer. And the school board just doesn't have the money. Cyril finally overhears this, that Rutledge is a school inspector, not a tax inspector, and comes out of hiding to deliver his own passionate defense of the school. But the one thing he's hesitant about is contributing the needed funds. Until the pigs let him know that donations like that are tax deductible and would actually alleviate his tax problems. So with an expansion deal in place and Cyril's tax issues sorted out, the school can stay open and the pigs are rehired. But Ms. Primrose is still heading to the school in the city. Bentley has made her realize that she was just afraid to face new things like she was, or like he was rather. And now she's ready to go learn about all the new technology that she'll need to use to teach when Evergreen Elementary and the new Cyril Sneer Wing reopen. Okay, here's the thing. Uh-huh. There's an A and a B plot, and they intersect like, you know, a lot of uh, dramas or sitcoms do. Yeah. I thought, okay, so the, the, the pigs are itemizing Cyril Sneer's inventory in this old warehouse that I guess is forgotten. Okay. The problem is that the school is too small. I thought for sure that the intersection <laughs> would be that this storeroom and all of its assets were going to become the new school rather than I'm going to give it some money. Well, yeah, yeah it's true. But uh, Weird. I mean, you're it's a logical thing to think about. Yeah. Um, I think their conclusion makes more sense because it solves both problems. I guess. I mean. It would solve his problems if he just got rid of all his stuff and just said, these are assets of the government now or, you know. Well, I mean, the government wasn't trying to seize his assets. They were trying to seize his money. Yeah, but he wouldn't have, uh, anyway, he wouldn't have the value of those things anymore. That's why they were counting all the, you know. Yeah, but the, if, the, the I mean, he'd have, to, he'd have to figure out a way to get rid of them. But I mean, you know, it's, it's a logical thing to think about. Um, yeah. I think, oh, this is where this is probably heading. But yeah, but no. The, so... The raccoons. I mean, this is a nice little morality play. You know, it's the kind yes. of thing is like, eh, teach kids that new schools are nothing to be afraid of. Um, that's fine. I think it's I think it's fairly typical episode of what the show became. Sure. It's it's kind of bland. <laughs> you know, there's nothing wrong yeah. with it. It's not bad. Yeah. It's just kind of I mean, it doesn't have the Trojan horse aspect of trying to get kids to buy toys because I think there was raccoons merchandise, but it wasn't like toys. It was like, I don't know, maybe a backpack or some felt markers or something. Hmm. This was like a life raft, because as you said, it was cartoons on a Sunday night and later (laughs) on the series on it was on weekdays. But I'll tell you the thing that killed it for me. Right. Uh (laughs) I think maybe season three that introduces those pigs. Okay, I'm going to confess here. My fursona is a pig. So this has some level of irony. I hate those guys. <laughs> I hate those pigs. I didn't know they came in that late. Yeah, I don't think they're... Well, I could be wrong. But at any rate, there, there was a period where I really looked forward to the raccoons. And then there was a period where I didn't look so much to... <laughs> look so forward to these raccoons episodes because they had these pigs in it. I hate them. I hate the way they look. I hate their clothes. I hate their stupid... A cartoon interpretation of their trotter feet mm-hmm. and the noise noises their steps <laughs> no, make. I was I was wondering if you were going to get to that. Uh, yeah. Do you like all the various pig ways that Cyril threatens them? He calls them. Oh. He calls them bacon bits. He calls them 
swine that are gonna squeal. He says he's gonna serve them with apples in their mouths. Like that's got to be profane. He calls them that's got to be that. Like just imagine a human boss, <laughs> you know, like I'm gonna cook you and then eat you on a platter. You other human being. <laughs> yeah, I guess that really. <laughs> Um, doubling down on the aspect that they are a animal that is generally considered edible to the human yeah. watch, the human viewer. And, and you noted the weird thing is that the specials had humans. Yes. Right? That this is the secret world that's going on and Ralph, Melissa, and Bert live in a tree. Mm-hmm. Like a, a, a tree with rooms and, you know, all the accoutrements of a regular house. But Wikipedia says that this is a raccoon dominium, which Heck, I, you- I don't know if that was ever in the show, but, uh. probably, but one of the characters that bridges the humans to the raccoons is Schaefer, a, uh, sheepdog. Mm-hmm. He's not in this episode, no. but anyway, he was, he was like the original bridge, right? Yeah. And he's, he's barely in the show. Like he's semi-phased out. He's like Lyman from Garfield. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. And even weirder, uh, Schaefer's son, this, this puppy, he acts like a regular puppy. He can't speak. He runs on four legs. He's got a dog collar. Mm-hmm. Brew. Yeah. It makes you even more confused about this world. Well, yeah, I remember thinking at the time, like before I, because I knew that there had been humans in it and I just didn't yes. have a Wikipedia to tell me that the humans aren't a factor anymore. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at this like, why does this, in this human world, how is this aardvark an industrialist millionaire and why are his rivals like a chicken and an alligator? Like, right. Like there's this whole, where's all this money like flowing around with humans completely unaware of it. Or for that matter that in the early days he was going to deforest the area (laughs) would have been really weird for the humans. Like, well, who did this? The aardvark, that naked (laughs) aardvark with a cigar. (laughs) (laughs) That's the other thing. So this is a uh, cartoon logic, right? Where uh, the two aardvark, well, sorry, the two male aardvarks wear nothing hmm. like except for a tie. <laughs> yeah. And glasses. Anyway. Yeah. The, the female aardvark has to wear stuff because otherwise be indecent. Yeah. Uh, Same thing with and, Melissa, like Ralph. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Bert wears a big shirt, but like sure. Ralph just has a tie, but Melissa has a top. Yes. Well, here's the, it goes in different layers because Melissa is more or less raccoon body, right? So she can have nothing on her lower, her lower half, right? Thank you for those friggin' uh, the wife from the Incredibles hips. Like, oh, she's yeah. just got a gigantic lower body. Well, as raccoons do. Mm. She's, she's animalistic enough to not need a skirt. Okay. Okay. So... Uh, one of the problems is all these guys are adults and this has become a regular series. So they introduced Bentley as a kid you could identify with. Yeah. There's also, I think her name is Lisa. It is. Yes. The teenage raccoon. Yeah. But she's got a very strange humanistic body. Yeah. And by strange, I mean normal. She's long and lanky. I mean, she's, she's an athlete. Uh, Is it basketball or volleyball? I think she plays basketball, Mm -hmm. but her proportions are human enough that she has to wear pants. Yeah. These overalls. Yeah, it would be very weird if she didn't have anything on her bottom half. It's just one of those weird cartoon logics that I have a hard time with. My my understanding is that Lisa is actually a caricature of the singer Lisa Loheed, who is the singer yes. who does the 
very noteworthy, not title theme song, but credits theme song, Run With Us. Oh, yes. And and that's the thing to note is this show, every episode has songs. Yes, every episode like has at, at least one song somewhere in it. Yes, uh, very much. Like I said, the show is a little dated. I think even in the day, these songs seemed a little dated, but I, I like that they exist in the show. They break it up mm. for what you say is, you know, a little bit of a dry experience. Yeah, it's like you said, you know, it was a life raft of, oh, finally, there's some cartoons on Sunday. Yeah. For me, like it was, yeah, there's cartoons on Sunday, but at the same time, it was like, <laughs> I guess this is what I'm going to watch because there's nothing else. <laughs> like I was never enthusiastic yeah. about the raccoons and I'm still not. Um, right. But it's, you know, it's, it ex- it's blank. It's, it's like oatmeal, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's a nutrient, it's a nutritious, a nutritious thing that you can get fed to sate your hunger, but it's not a really interesting meal. And you mentioned the ubiquity of this is on a station that everybody had. Yeah. So my, one of my brothers, his, he and his wife were having their first kid. Uh-huh. And so they were thinking about names <laughs> and, you know, I was, I was a dope. I was not really giving sincere suggestions, but I was just rattling through boy names. Yeah. And when I said Cedric and she said, Ugh, no, not like Cedric Sneer gets his nose tied in knots by his dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> also, uh, do you know the band Cybertronic Spree? Yes. A bunch of guys who dress like Transformers and uh, do covers yeah, mostly. Yeah. What did I see? They did, did they cover a Weird Al Yankovic song? Oh, they for sure did Dare to be Stupid. Yeah, it's the, the Transformers. One. Yeah, that was yeah. the one, yes. There, there's one clip I saw. They're doing the uh, end theme to Raccoons. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, because they go to conventions and they hit all the nostalgia, I guess, for all the congoers. I mean, that's a crazy pull. Yeah. <laughs> good song, though. It is a good song. I like that song. It's, it's all right. It's, all, it's almost the highlight of the show. <laughs> <laughs> it's over. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, yeah so, so there's a... Fun little morality play, a bit of Canadiana nostalgia. Oh, we should probably also mention that apparently they're planning to reboot the raccoons like this year, like soon. Yeah, we'll see. You know, maybe it's a strong enough, you know, with with modern cartoon writing sensibilities, maybe they can do something really worthwhile with it. I kind of hope it's still in the same spirit, though. So they're not joking like crazy and, you know, acting bonkers. Mm, mm, mm. And maybe, like I said earlier, uh, the things you should remake are the things that don't have the, you know, you know what, they aren't yeah. necessarily the best things in the world. So, yeah, you know what? You're right. So, yeah. yeah, raccoons, nothing wrong with it. It's fine. It's not super good. But, you know, I mean, there's much worse animation in the 80s. Hey, if, if you're a furry that's <laughs> in a pinch, the raccoons will do. <laughs> Speaking of which, we got Dino-saucers. Dino-saucers. Yeah. All right. What you need to know about dino-saucers. <laughs> this is uh, about spacefaring humanoid dinosaurs that have come from the planet Reptilon to Earth. The thing about this, like this is one, I, there's a lot about this show that I forgot in all the time yeah. since I've seen it. But the one yeah. thing that I always remember is that the planet they're from, Reptilon, 
Yeah. Humans are unaware of it because it's in Earth's orbit on the exact opposite side of the sun. So we can just never okay. see it. That's a remarkable orbit. It just always stays like it's hiding. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, if both planets orbit at the same rate, that's what would happen. But I also think yeah. that scientists would have detected it from the gravitational effect it would have on surrounding bodies. Well, maybe they have to scrap all their theories. <laughs> like <laughs> Dark matter? No, it was Reptilon all along. <laughs> anyway, that's just my uh, Go ahead. Tell me about dinosaurs. Yeah. So there's two factions. There's the evil Tyrannos. Who want to who want to dominate our planet and its resources, and the good dinosaurs who seek to defend us. <laughs> each each faction has dinosaur types and personalities that mirror each other almost perfectly. So like, there's uh, a long neck dinosaur on one side. There's a long neck on the other one. There's uh, the leader of the dinosaurs is an Allosaurus. The leader of the Tyrannos is a Tyrannosaurus Rex. So the dinosaurs. But each possess the power to dinovolve. It allows them to become bigger, animalistic versions of themselves, like our ancient dinosaurs. Um, I totally prehistoric for- dinosaurs. I totally forgot about this until I watched this episode. I did too. Huh. Um, the Tyrannos possess weapons that force similar devolutions, but without the retention of intelligence uh, nor speech. They also have fossilizer guns that instantly fossilize their targets. However, the dinosaurs also have uh, other assets, including four American children. <laughs> and to each, one, <laughs> to each one, they gifted a magic ring because I guess they couldn't resize them to their own dino fingers. <laughs> they just had them lying around. And as well, they placed some pretty high trust in these 12, 13-year-old kids to pilot futuristic flying craft. So this particular story uh, begins with the evolved Pachycephalosaurus bonehead practicing flying his ship, by the way. So this episode starts and you see that orange character bonehead in his cockpit. Yeah. And some things are just indelible. I thought, which one is bonehead? (laughs) (laughs) It took me all of a second to remember his name was Bonehead. Anyway, he he forgetfully opens the bay doors to their lava dome headquarters a bit late, so he only narrowly scrapes in for an intact landing. Just then, Terex, an Archaeopteryx, responds to an alarm, and she detects that the Toronto ships are headed to space. The dinosaurs mobilize to intercept them, except for Bonehead. Allo, the leader, makes him stay behind because of his inexperience and his terrible flying. After uh, Bonehead fixes the bay doors, he leaves the headquarters to meet Ryan and Sarah, two of the uh, human secret scouts, because he's bored. But they tell him they need to go to school. He decides that school might be interesting, so he follows the two secret scouts to school, and somehow they don't hear his thundering footsteps. (laughs) Every dinosaur makes a sound effect when they walk. Anyway, the very accepting student body are convinced that Bonehead is just another kid in a mascot costume. And Ms. Packard, Sarah and Ryan's teacher, accepts this mascotted student into her class, even though she fails to make him take off his supposed costume. From their ships by the school, 
Genghis Rex and Enkylo Pilot. And it turns out that their forces, the the other uh, Tyrannos, are merely making a diversion for the other dinosaurs so that Bonehead can be captured. And Kylo approaches Bonehead in a frilled dinosaur headdress. If, oh, by the way, and Kylo's an ankylosaur. Yeah. Um, see, he's wearing a, fr- a frilled dinosaur headdress, and he convinces the stupid dino that he's Tricero, that's one of the dinosaurs, Tricero's brother, Monoclonius. This doesn't work because the childlike Bonehead continually refuses to go with a stranger like a good boy. <laughs> the, no matter... This- <laughs> this sequence yeah. is like every everything that you've ever been told that a stranger could say to you to try to get you to come with them. Right. It's comedic. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking for my lost lizard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He didn't offer him candy, I guess. So later and back at the class, Bonehead is unaware that a gun is pointed at him. Genghis Rex is balanced on Ankylo's shoulders so that he can fire through the window into the classroom. But the sudden reveal of a dinosaur skin, uh, rather skeleton, a replica, I would hope, startles Bonehead and makes him tumble from his seat, thus making Rex misfire on Ms. Packard. And the gun's effect fossilizes her. Ankylo and Rex break into the school and chase the heroes. But luckily, the other students are just as, as accepting and take them to be mascot costumes too. The dinosaur and the two secret scouts evade their pursuers with comet capers. They use paints from the art class. You know, they squirt them on their pursuers. They use the gymnastics apparatus in the gym class. They throw pies and cakes in home economics. I like that um, Tyranno is like, I've seen this in human movies. They are cops. They are Keystone cops. Like, like he thinks that these pies are dangerous weapons. Yeah, it's like the Zentradi in Robotech. <laughs> he threw a death ray. <laughs> um, so eventually, in a football field, Bonehead dinovolves into his big true dinosaur form to combat the Tyrannos. The stadium, boy, what a school. <laughs> They're convinced that the giant dinosaur is just a professional monster movie that's being filmed at a junior high sporting event. <laughs> Ryan steals Rex's pistol to defossilize, uh, I have, yeah, Rex's pistol to defossilize Ms. Packard, and the beast form Bonehead prevails against the bad guys. And at the end, Bonehead's excellence is recognized by his fellows, and as a special reward, a pie is made for him. But he's still stuck in slapstick mode, so he throws the pie against the wall, and that's funny to everybody. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. Man, Dinosaurs was the deal, like... I'm surprised it was only one season because I guess when you're a kid, everything seems longer. Yeah. When when I was a kid, Dinosaurs was the business, man. Like me and my friends, like really? we, would, oh, we <laughs> would play, we'd like pretend to be dinosaurs or, or we'd make up our own from dinosaurs that weren't represented. They missed out. Did you know this is one of the hardest toy lines to find? I was not aware that they made toys. I was looking at it like the, because every character every dinosaur character has their own like personalized right. ship and i thought like, yeah. this is designed to make toys too bad they never yeah. made any a handful of figurines released i think it was in brazil oh wow so <laughs> i was not that hot on this show i think the biggest legacy of this show for everybody is the theme song which if you were to listen to the long version of it i'm sure is really thin <laughs> but 
just that that uh, hit of dinosaurs and the music in general good this is that good uh, <laughs> uh levy and haim saban music yeah um i think the animation is good i think the character designs are pretty good i like the humans more than the dinosaurs themselves by the way i couldn't find i don't think there's a general catch-all term that applies like as as um dinosaurs are to autobots i didn't find an equivalent transformer title that encompasses all of them i oh. guess they're reptil reptilons i guess i i guess probably i mean maybe they're you know i mean they've they've completely embraced the human names for these dinosaurs like that's their real yes. you know like it's not like what a it's not like they, yeah it's it's not like they've decided well i am what you humans call an ankylosaurus so i'm going to be called ankylo it's like that was his no. name all along and so yeah, maybe but, but i mean a, a name for all yeah, of them and i'm uh, saying yeah. that maybe they're just dinosaurs oh right right probably oh right actually i watched another episode and you're probably right about that <laughs> because uh uh, they find living dinosaurs on Earth, <laughs> and the Secret Scouts Marvel real dinosaurs. And one of them says, "Well, what do you think we are?" Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, now, <laughs> did you realize the funny through line between our two shows? I noticed a through line. Okay, Genghis Rex is voiced by Dan Braveheart Lion Hennessy. There we for go. One. Yeah. Uh, he's really good, I think, mm -hmm. as a villain voice. I, you know what's weird? I heard that voice and I was trying to remember where I knew it from. And the only thing I could come up with was Beaster from My Pet Monster. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I had to go and look. I was like, oh, and, and sheepishly be like, oh, Braveheart Lion. I should have got that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Kylo is voiced by John Stalker doing pretty, mu pretty much the same voice he does for Beastly in Care Bears. You know, yep. I'm sorry, Bossasaur. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, okay, now here's where we really get into yeah. it. Marvin Goldar does Bonehead and Cedric Sneer yeah, he in does. The Raccoons. Yeah, he does. And he's not featured in this episode, but Quackpot, a duck-billed dinosaur for the Torontos, is totally Burt Raccoon. Yep. Except he adds more, wah, 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 wah. it's like Burt Raccoon doing a uh, Batman's Penguin impression. It's wild, the the voices that that actor has done. Like, you know, yeah. I probably noticed it at the time, but right. all this, like, in years in between, like, looking at this guy, I, what, do you know his name off the top of your head, Burt Raccoon? Pat Fraley or something? Oh, no, no, that's not Pat Fraley. That's uh, Pat Fraley is Krang. Oh, yeah. you know, fun. I didn't write it down here. Uh, well, anyway, where is it? Like that act. I was looking him up like some years ago and I was shocked to learn that he because I knew he did lots of voices. I knew that voice, but I was surprised yeah. that he was Ganon in the uh, animated uh, Legend of Zelda part of the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Not that surprised when you think about it. Well, I had to go to YouTube and like, wait, what does Ganon sound like? And I listened to it. I was like, oh, okay, that's totally him. But I had... Uh, his name is is uh, Len Carlson. That's right. Len Carlson. Hmm. That's funny. I forgot to write him down. Um, let's see. Oh, so the characters, most of them have names that are uh, plays on the species that they are. Yes. Uh, the worst of them all. Not featured in this episode once again, but... 
for the for the uh, Tyrannos is terrible dactyl. Boo. <laughs> I think he might be friends with Evil Lynn. Well, I was going to say that sounds like a vil- like, you know, there's a crab villain in He-Man called Clawful. Like Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the names in this. You know what's interesting? Yeah. To for the time that this show came out, which is like, I don't know, 85, 87, something like that. 87. If yeah. you if you were on Family Feud, and they said, <laughs> name a dinosaur. Right. The number one answer would be Tyrannosaurus Rex. Obviously. The number two answer, you would say Raptor. And then they would have to go to the judges and the judges would say Velociraptor slash Raptor is the number two would answer. They? Yeah. Okay. I think so. Because. I think back in the day they would have said Brontosaurus. No, 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 no. no. I'm saying wrong. now. Oh, now. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. Like, because Jurassic Park made the velociraptor like the second most well-known dinosaur there is there is one in the show is there yeah i think her name is or his name is uh dano or dino well he's a dinonychus that's a different dinosaur oh yeah yeah okay there was no like jurassic park was kind of the first well mainstream (laughs) velociraptor and because that movie was such a big deal now i mean there's a professional basketball team called the raptors Right. Hmm. And it's weird that like the, the there's an era the, before that was the big yeah, one. Yeah, it's like the second most known dinosaur in the world is not in this cartoon about dinosaurs. Yeah. Well, I said Dinonychus because the the Jurassic Park ones are too big. But yeah, I mean, I never I was into dinosaurs, you know, like most most young boys, maybe girls, too. I don't know. I wasn't a girl, but yeah. I know that most young boys at least go through a phase where they're really into dinosaurs. And I had no memory of like all the dinosaurs in here. You know, I get like just the other day I was actually at Dairy Queen and they had their little book open where you could, you know, select pictures to put on an ice cream cake. And there was a dinosaur and I went, oh, it's Parasaurolophus. Like I I remembered that easily. Mm. And so I remember these dinosaurs. I have no memory of the term Velociraptor before Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah, me neither. Well, I guess you're setting up the reboot of it. Actually, you know the good parallel for that? Mm -hmm. Uh, The Transformer Dinobots. And then looking at Beast Wars, where the character named Dinobot is a raptor. (laughs) Yeah? Yeah. Or maybe it's a Dinonychus. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. so you thought you you think this is a bad show? <laughs> I I was kind of watching it like, boy, this is pretty second rate. Like this is like this is like if you took GI Joe and knocked all the production values down a bit. Which is weird to say because there are some ugly GI Joe episodes. Yeah, yeah. You know, I feel that the this is good Deke animation. The designs are pretty good. The music is good. But the concept is a little empty because this is just Transformers, but dinosaurs, (laughs) really. Yeah. And and the other thing is that, well, I'm I'm probably cutting you off here and I'm sorry, but the other thing that I I looking at it now in 2021, the thing that I cannot get out of my head is the more recent scientific consensus that dinosaurs in general were birds. You know, I was thinking that 
it's only Earth dinosaurs. But then again, having watched another episode where they find actual dinosaurs, it's not just because they don't have feathers, the ones they find on Earth. Yeah. I was going to say that it's just a difference between Reptilon and Earth. But nope. Yeah. I mean, it's weird. Like at the time, you know, this was the accepted yeah. image of dinosaurs. So it makes sense. But Terex has feathers. Well, yeah. Well, they always knew that Archaeopteryx yeah. had feathers. It was yeah, yeah. It's things like, you know, like those tiny little useless arms that a Tyrannosaurus has. Yeah. They make more sense if they're little wings that just kind of get tucked into the side and aren't used. You know, if you think of mm. a Tyrannosaurus as like a big penguin. <laughs> and you think of it flapping its arms as it chases things. <laughs> <laughs> you know, technology wise, these heroes versus bad guys. Oh, see, it seems like the dinosaurs have the edge because they can dinovolve. They can turn into big versions of themselves that retain their intelligence. Right. I don't think so. I think the the Tyrannos have such a technology gap. They have a gun that instantly fossilizes you. Yeah. Now, maybe you could say that it pro if it's got a lot of mass, it takes a little time to get y'all. And actually, this time to bring up, I don't like weapons like these, <laughs> mm. like f the freeze rays that are in various cartoons, because that's this is essentially what this is analogous to. It it, it incapacitates you, right? Yeah. It stops you cold. Right. Um, because I think it renders everything else absolutely moot because it's a save or lose. You make your saving throw or you just lose. You become frozen in a block of ice or turned into a fossil. Yeah. And also have other problems, just like with the ice, it seems ridiculous. To, you get frozen and that's like a harmless way to detain someone. Whereas like in reality, we can't, people that want to like cryogenically freeze their bodies, they don't thaw properly. Yeah. <laughs> they get all screwed up by the process of freezing and then unfreezing. Well, yeah. Like ice crystals damage the cells. Um, yeah. You're right. I mean, I guess the, the actual answer here is that it's. It's a weapon that you can depict in cartoons that has stakes and you can depict yes. characters getting hit by. Right. Because you can't show, you know, I can't think of a name of a G.I. Joe roadblock. You can't you can't show roadblock just getting hit by a Cobra laser or bullet or whatever they shoot and dying. Right. You can show him getting hit with a freeze ray and getting encased in ice. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Nonetheless, bugs me. Eh, fair enough. So I guess other things in this episode, uh, they incorporate that moral into the story. <laughs> There's no PSA at the end where he says, today, a stranger asked me, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's just it's it's just hammered yeah. in like they're like bonehead. <laughs> if a stranger approaches you like that, you should always tell someone like they just kind of right. slip it in. <laughs> right, right. Other things. There, I, got some, I got some good quotes from this episode. OK, uh, so when. Uh, the disguised Enkylo is trying to lure him into his ship. <laughs> he says, I might be an idiotops, but I'm no fool of sore. <laughs> and shortly afterwards, when he returns to class, uh, uh, what's her name? Is, uh, Packard. Is, is it spent? Yeah, Packard. She says, oh, no, not the bonehead boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, it might not be obvious for people who don't know a lot about dinosaurs, but yeah. Pachycephalosaurus, the deal with that dinosaur is that it had a really thick skull. The, Hence bonehead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's why, yeah, the the working theory being that they butt heads like like rams do. Although I think his his dinovol form is way bigger than that dinosaur was. 
Like way, way bigger. Yeah. And also more bottom heavy. Like Mm. I, the skulls that I saw pictures of when I was a kid always led me to believe that like a Pachycephalosaurus had like a big dome head and Mm. (laughs) Bonehead has like a little pinhead. (laughs) But, Um, But Pachycephalosaurus was always my favorite dinosaur, so... Wow, really? Yeah, I thought the skull looked cool with a little horn, like this nice smooth dome and these little horns and knobs all around the outside of it. Like it, it looked different from other dinosaurs. Oh, maybe this should have been in your favorite episodes list then. <clears throat> no, no <laughs> di- yeah, I'll, I'll go through the series and try to find my favorite episode of Dinosaurs. <laughs> See if I can find something to surpass Bonehead's starring turn <laughs> fending off strangers. <laughs> um... Okay, I got one more note. Uh One more bit of trivia here. Go ahead. So there's a student who barfs after trying Bonehead's lunch. Because it's it's disagreeable dinosaur food, right? Yeah, it's like swamp Um, grass or something. Yeah, yeah. When he runs away and barfs, it's the sound Slimer makes whenever he phases through things. (laughs) (laughs) It's that sound effect. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a fun thing to notice. (laughs) You know... I didn't have that bad a time watching this, so uh, I guess I guess it's a failure in that regard. You know what's weird is like <laughs> I'm telling you, oh, I, me and my friends, dinosaurs was the best yes. thing, and you're like, eh, I was never into it, and now we I'm, flipped. and now I'm like, man, you're gonna hate what you gotta watch. You're like, actually, it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, it was fun at least. Yeah, okay, I'm I'm carried by liking the designs. Okay, it, it garnered an emotional response with the rac- which the raccoons didn't really. <laughs> well, yeah, and this is from furries. I, I guess yeah. uh, scale, scalies win today, or featheries. Um, I, I guess, I guess. <laughs> oh well, let's move on. Yeah. Um, yeah. we gotta do things next week, and I think it's mm-hmm. time that we watched some shorts. Yeah. All right. I went for a little theme in mind. Yeah. Uh, I got two. Obviously, two things for you to watch. First, an NFB short. Okay. Uh, this one is called Hunger. Mm. Or also known by its French title, La Fame. Okay. And the other one is a Homestar Runner feature. I thought maybe this would happen. Okay, sooner or later. Yeah. Uh, it is a strong, bad email. Uh, I can't remember the exact number. I think it might be one, 174, but the okay. title of it is hygiene. Is it hygiene or like high Hy- hygiene, like hygiene, like cleaning your body? Okay. Okay. Huh? So hunger and well, hygiene. That's, hmm. That's an eclectic group. <laughs> um, I got for you. Well, I, I, I bridged you gently okay? because we're going to stick to the back to the school uh-huh. uh, at the start anyway. Okay. I have a Looney Tune for you Ooh. called From A to Z, 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 Z. Oh, I think I have an idea of what this is. Yeah. Well, then you're, you might think you're in for a good time, I think. Oh, I oh, I think there is a part. If this is the one that I think it is, I think there's a scene in this that kind of scarred me for life. Really? I huh. think, I th- I mean, you know, it could be that this isn't the cartoon that I think it is, but if it is... Oh, here's hoping. Mm. Okay. I, okay. There's there's the trigger warning <laughs> from A to Z, 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 Z. Okay. 
Uh, okay. And then, as I often like to do, I take the classic and I pair it with the modern. From mere months ago, well, a year ago, I guess, this one, uh, Toonsy and the episode Weird Things My Parents Did to Me. Hmm. Okay. I'll give you the spelling. That's T-O-O-N-C-E-E. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, until we deal with all this mess next time, tell us what you think of this show and tell us what you want to look at because we have established in this show that we'll do it. Because, uh, you know, we're going to watch the Care Bears movie eventually and Rocky and Bullwinkle and that stuff because people told us to. Um, yep. I wanted us to watch Rock and Rule, so that one's mine. Uh, but yeah, so tell us all this. Tell everybody about the show. Spread the word. Uh, we just love that kind of thing. And the best way to do that is on Twitter, where you can find me at AC Matsy. Yeah, tweet us. We'll read anything. You got a car for sale? Misconnection? <laughs> we'll do it. You can find me at DrabSwatch on Twitter. Now, one last thing. There's been a lot of animation celery bootleg merch going around. To ensure the authenticity, rub the heat-sensitive sticker to reveal the celery stalker's slogan. I may be an idiot, Tops, but I'm no foolish, sir.